what's going on around us. And we've been talking about the blessed life, and we've been talking about from Proverbs 6. And, and you know, not, not a real happy verse, but understand the context. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. This verse is telling us that when you disengage your life from the process, little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands, well, I just don't feel like it anymore. And all it takes is just a little bit of that for the productivity of your life to be stymied to a point where poverty comes on you like a thief and scarcity leaps upon you like like an armed person because... Because a life that is disengaged, I think this is so important, a life that is disengaged is a life that is, that is being degraded, it's being, it's being dissolved. That life is, 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 is not the blessed life. I mean, engaged lives and engaged people are, are the people who make those kinds of connections in their life that, that make a difference, that actually make their lives better. I don't know if you realize that this week I put out on Facebook, on my personal Facebook. We also flew it out on the, on the church Facebook page. I wrote a blog. It's just kind of in my heart. I, I wrote this blog. and like I don't, I, I don't blog a whole lot. You go to my blog and you'll find out that you know they're, they're kind of scarce, kind of few and far between when I actually do it. But when I, when I do contribute to my own blog, I usually have something to say. And I feel like it's a message for, for people, for, for multiple people. And this week I, uh, I, I talked about connecting. And I, I gave just like eight observations in this blog. I gave like eight observations. So just for me, I'm pastoring over 20 years. Uh, I've been in full-time ministry church work for 30 years this year. I mean, I've got a lot of experience in watching people and dealing with people and kind of understanding people. And, and, and sometimes you have these people that they'll come in, they'll come in to either to me or they'll go to someone else and they'll say, things like, they'll, they'll say things like, you know, I just can't connect here. I just don't feel like I'm connecting. I don't think I can connect. And then there's other times that people say, you know, they'll just say, I just don't feel like I, I have a connection. And, and through the years, for most of those, okay, maybe not for everyone, but for most of those uh, through the years, there's been kind of a... a a common pattern. I mean, what, it, what makes the difference between somebody who can come into the life of a church that just say, here they are, they come in, and, and it's like in three weeks, it's like you never had church without them. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I remember some, many of you in this room that I, I can remember feeling that way. It's like, you know, you came to our church, and, and you know, you've only been here just a few weeks, but you feel like you've been here forever. You just feel like because you just, you find it so, you just graft in and get so connected. You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, I think when David Holford uh, first came to our church, dude, I think we were, uh, I shouldn't call you dude, I mean, you're like an elder, but uh, <coughs> elder dude. I mean, I, I think I mean, they're here like three weeks and he's on scaffolding with me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, three weeks we're changing light bulbs and we're doing all kind of crazy, crawling under the platform together. And you know what I mean? I remember in those early days, I look at him and say, man, it just feels like you've been here forever. And he said, well, it's only been a month. I just feel like you've been, I mean, it's so, and, and then, and then there's, there's other times people come in and you, and they just don't seem to make those connections. And I thought, man, what, what makes, the, what is some patterns that, now I listed a few, I, one of the, I think the number one on the blog was, was, um, <laughs> you got to come to church. 
I mean, if, if you want to make connections in a group of people, you got to show up to where the people are. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've had people tell me, I just don't feel like I'm connecting around here. And I'm like, well, you haven't been to church in three months. No wonder. I mean, no wonder. I mean, you, you only make two services a month. No wonder. No wonder. I mean, it's when you, it's when you actually come and, and, and walk among people. Is, is anybody in the house right now? Or am I just preaching to the wall? You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, there's something about actually coming to church that makes a big difference in, in um, consistent, every, you know. I mean, my goodness, I don't know, Dave, I'm going to pick on you, elder dude. Um, when they first came, they even would come on Wednesday nights, and, and the people who had been in the church forever weren't even coming on Wednesday nights. I mean, it was like we had been, it had, it had whittled down, the adult session had whittled down to a point where we moved it into a classroom over here. And there was like six of us. And there's Dave and Karen. They're like brand new people. I'm just embarrassed. Like, you know, God. Well, you know, they're brand new to the church and there's six people on Wednesday night church. Ignore the fact that you're brand new and you're the only ones here. But then they wanted that connection. And then they made it in their hearts. You know what? I'm going to be there. If they claim they have church on Wednesday night, I'm going to be there. Thank God it's grown since then. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for that. Then I said, you know, when you come to church... If you want to make those connections, you got to engage with the people. And a great way to engage with the people, are y'all okay? I promise I'm not going to preach longer than long. Come early. You know, people a lot of times that struggle with making connections, they run in at the last minute or maybe when church has even already started. Well, how do you expect to make a connection? If you're, I'm telling you right now, great connections are made over a bottle of Dr. Pepper. You know, get a dark pepper, get a cup of coffee, and walk out among there and make, you know, there, there's people out there milling around. Mill with them. Mill with people. Be a miller. Enjoy miller time. Be merry. You know, you know, I mean, you know, I think that's the thing. People that, 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 that aren't engaged with people have a tendency to, if they do come, they, they come where they, where they keep themselves disengaged. And that's not to bless life. That's not to bless life. How about this one? Don't run out the door the minute church is over. Stay around. Mill again. Have some millage in your life. Somebody asked what time, you know, there's a group of us that, you know, a lot of times when we're not doing growth track, especially, we're able to, to go out and somebody came up to me and said, Pastor, how do, you, how do you get in this group of people that goes out after church or second service? How do you get in that group? You know what I mean? It's, do you, how do you get in that group? I say, you stay here long enough to help us turn the lights off. I'm serious. None of us plan that. It's like we look around and there's 10 of us left. And we're going, well, where are y'all going to lunch? I don't know. Where are you going? Well, I'm kind of in the mood for Mexican food. Let's go to Speedy's. Okay, well, you get the women's bathroom light and I'll get the men's bathroom light and somebody lock the doors. That's the God honest truth. We just stick around long enough. Well, okay, everybody's quiet. Just millage. You can mill around long enough. You make connections. Making up words. 
Show yourself friendly. You know, disengaged people act disengaged. You know, I mean, if you, if you sit in a dark corner somewhere all by yourself, you're probably going to be in a dark corner by yourself. But when you come out of that corner and you engage your life, see, all of this really has to do with what we've been talking about, and that's, that's living a life that is engaged. And when you live a life that is engaged, there, there's other things to read the blog. I'm not going to go over all that, but, but engage yourself in the process. I mean, one part of well, what about join a ministry team? There's nothing there is absolutely nothing that will pull people closer together than to get in the trenches and work together. Get in the trenches and serve other people together. It's amazing what happens in relationships that way. So there's some, there's some, there's some advice to you if, you if you ever struggle in the area of engaging with people and engaging with the process. But, but it's all really kind of boils down to Acts 20.35 says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It, it's, it's the more blessed life. The more blessed life is the life that has understood that the things that I have, the blessings that I have in my life, the, 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 the things that I have that I can share with other people, the true blessing of these things doesn't come as a result of me hoarding these things on my life and consuming them in myself. The true joy of living the blessed life comes from my ability to share the blessing with those with whom need it shared too. I think there's a secret between um, some very wealthy people who are happy wealthy and some very wealthy people who are miserable wealthy. I mean, we had a whole Christmas story. Charles Dickens wrote a, a Christmas story. Um, and the title character in the Christmas story is Ebenezer Scrooge. And I mean, really, the story of Ebenezer Scrooge is so factual to life and can even be considered scriptural in this regard. Ebenezer Scrooge, was, and we all now say, well, if somebody is super stingy, what do we call them? We call them a Scrooge. We even got a, a new word out of, out of the character from this to identify somebody who is living their life surrounded by blessings but is refusing to share them. Therefore, they're just not nice. They're, they're miserable and they spread their misery on everyone. Everyone gets their misery. And here's Ebenezer Scrooge who had, who had some difficulty in his life. Keep in mind, I mean, he had some difficulty. Here's a guy that... Lost the love of his life, if you know the story. Lost the love of his life and, and had some people misuse him. Had some people mistreat him. And, and somewhere along the line, he made the point that I'm just going to hoard all of this onto myself and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be, be miserable in my wealthy state and I'm going to refuse to give. And the whole story is of re- awakening in his life that the that the true blessing of the blessing is when we share the blessing. It's the release of the blessing. It's, it's buying the largest turkey for the little family. We're giving 150 turkeys away Tuesday as a church. It's sharing. 
It's, it's saying, it's saying let's, let's open this thing up. It's, 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 it's the State Farm agent, Marvin Mann from Glenpool and Whistler Automotive getting together and saying, we're going we're gonna to have a canned food drive and we're going to give all of that food to Triumph Food Bank so that people can be fed this Thanksgiving season. And men, they filled the back of their trucks. They did this whole thing. And then the Kiefer Public Schools got involved with that. And, and, and uh, the insurance agency bought pizza for all of the kids that won in the class that brought the most canned items. They, they were still bringing that stuff up here to the church on Friday and putting just stacks of canned food out to get people. And here, you know, here are two businesses in a public school who, have, who are propagating this idea that, that, you know what, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive because the people that are truly happy are not the stingy people. You know, I mean, I am praying diligently for Bill Gates to to recognize me as a charity a uh, person. I am. I'm praying, my God, I mean, seriously, Lord, if Bill Gates would just give me like two hours worth of interest, just two hours, that's all I want, about $15 million. The Bill Gates Foundation, it boggles my brain how much money that, that, that man gives away. I mean, you don't read any stories about him in the tabloids about how miserable he is in life, do you? Think about it for a second. He's learned the secret that, that, I've, that I have received all of this and, and the true joy of having it is not having it. The true joy of having it is giving it. All right? It's sharing it. I mean, I'll tell you for sure if... Bill Gates were to somehow miraculously in an epiphany in the middle of the night that the Holy Spirit would speak to him and say, Bill, Robert Griffin, not the third, but the one who pastors in Glenpool, Oklahoma, needs charity. Somewhere through that, he'd drop that. I know of one thing, we wouldn't have no problem with that building. I mean, if, if, you know. I mean, let, let's just say if he, if he were to see me, uh, if he would just give me $100 million. Because <laughs> I, I know how I live. I know how I live. I know what I do. I would definitely tithe, so that's $10 million. And typically, minimum offering that flows from us is 5%. So that's five million. That's $15 million that I'd, I'd put into this church. We'd had no problem with facilities. I'm just saying. Now, don't get jealous of the toys I buy as well. Because <laughs> I'm going <laughs> I'm gonna, to I'm gonna sow into the kingdom, and I'm going to do all that and take care of all of that, and then I'm probably going to... Well, you know, I mean, I'm probably going to buy a toy or two. I'm just saying. But, I mean, you think about Bill Gates. You think about this. Um, he don't have to worry about flying coach to the Philippines. I mean, I do, but he doesn't. I mean, if he decides, I want to go to Barcelona today, he just goes to a private airport, gets on his private airplane, and flies his private self. 
So just wherever. And you would think that just having it would be where the joy is, right? I mean, if I could just, man, if I could just have a million dollars, I think I'd be happy. But yet, but yet there are actors and rock stars and people who come into their money in that way that are killing themselves. I mean, they have all of this money. They have all of these cars and all of these planes and all this, and they're killing themselves. And you think, man, if I had all that money, I'm thinking I wouldn't kill myself. But here's the secret. Most of those people, are you following me here? I'm not condemning them, but listen. Most of those people that come into money through fame, that come into money that way, they don't share. You look at their life. All of their fame and all of their money and all of, their, all of the stuff they've got, they just, they just consume it, consume it upon themselves. Whether it be cars or planes or drugs or whatever it is, they just consume it all on themselves. And they're miserable. They're miserable. Because the secret of the Word of God is not getting things. The secret of the Word of God is sharing things. The secret of the word of God is when I take the blessing that I have in my life and I'm willing to, I'm willing to give it away, to not be a Scrooge with it, but, but to be willing to share as, as that works in my life. Well, okay. So it brings us to the next characteristic. There are two characteristics of the blessed life. First characteristic is sharing the blessed life. Those who live the blessed life are or sharing people. Second characteristic of the blessed life that I want us to understand is that it is not only sharing, but it is thanksgiving. Okay, follow me with a second. Because you've got to, un- I know it's going to be Turkey Day on Thursday, but listen to me. Thanksgiving is not a holiday. It is a lifestyle attitude. Okay. Thanksgiving is not a holiday. It is a lifestyle attitude. Matter of fact, if there's anything that needs to, needs to flow from our life, it is this. Is God is interested in our thanksgiving to develop into thanksgiving. That our thanksgiving should develop into thanksgiving. And this thanksgiving resonates from our ability to recognize the blessing of God that we already have. Okay. You know, it's looking around my life and saying, I may not have everything I want, or I may not even have everything I need, but I do have some things that I want and need. And it is the ability to look around and say, you know, I may need that, but I'm thankful for that. Okay. First uh, Thessalonians is, is powerful. First Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 says, rejoice always. Pray continually, okay? But now look at the 18th verse. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All the time I have people say, Pastor, I just wish I knew God's will. I just knew what God's will was. If I could just figure out God's will. Well, there you have it. God's will for you is for you to rejoice always. God's will for you is to pray continually. And God's will for you is to give thanks in all circumstances. Oh my. See, that's a tough deal. You say, Pastor, how, how do I give thanks in all circumstances if my circumstance is bad? It's that you don't focus on the bad, you focus on the good. It, thanksgiving in all circumstances says, I know I have this need, but I'm thankful that I don't have that need. 
I may have this situation, but I am thankful that I also have this situation, which is very positive in my life. I have friends in Houston that growing up, this family was very meaningful for me in my life. Their son, Derek, and I met in kindergarten. We would eventually go to the same church. The mom's name is Vivian and Vivian and Donald Yont. And Donald Yont passed away at a very young age, more than 20 years ago. And Vivian remarried later, and they've got a she got a wonderful husband. And they have a Donald and Vivian have a have a daughter named Tina. Tina was a grade younger than me going through school. Her brother and I were together. Many of you know a story of when I was a teenager and the oil crisis hit in the city of Houston back in the 1980s. My dad worked for Brown and Root in the oil industry designing the instrument panels for offshore oil platforms. Well, that, that industry just stopped for about five or six years and in the course of that, my dad lost his job. And we went from being a family that had all material needs supplied to a family who was just trying to scrape by to live. I mean, I can vividly remember moments when we were sitting in the middle of the bed counting pennies in hopes that we had enough pennies to buy a two-liter Coke. We just wanted some Coke. You know what I'm saying? The kind you drink. <laughs> and... Being recorded, I have to qualify that, I guess. We might use the first church's recording anyway. Um, My family would go through times where my mom and my dad, just my dad trying to scrape by because we're just trying to make ends meet and try to do odd jobs, no jobs in the oil industry that he did. Nobody was building new platforms. Nobody was building new oil refineries. It just wasn't happening. And so nothing there. And so piecemealing jobs and stuff. And um, most everything of value we had was repossessed. Um, it was bankruptcy. You know, it was repossession. It was, it was trying to decide, do I pay the house payment and keep us with a roof over our head? Or do I pay the electric payment, and at least keep the electricity on until they take the house away from us. But then where do we go? We don't know. And through the course of that, there were many stretches that my mom and my dad chose to pay the electric bill over the house payment, and so we had no electricity in our house. And we would go weeks like that. We would go weeks with no electricity in the house. Through the course of that, there were Shining moments. And one of the shining moments was the Yonk family for me. They, they took me in when the electricity was off. And they didn't, they didn't only take me in when the electricity was off. They, they took me on their family vacations. You know, with no expectation. We didn't have no money to give them. With no expectations. They, they, would, they would come up to me after church and they would say, you know, Rob, you want to you wanna go out to eat with us today and come home with us today? And, there was, and I would say, yeah. 
And there would be many times at that meal that was paid for me. And that, then that night would turn into three or four days. I, I wouldn't go home. They, they, had, they bought me clothes and put clothes in a, in a guest bedroom in their house. This is the heart of that family. This is the heart of that family. Vivian and her husband, they go to Pastor Brett's church now. They have for many years. I told you that, but listen, I told you that to, to, say, to say this. About five weeks ago, Tina on her Facebook page said, pray for me. I've been, I had this seizure, never had a seizure before, and I've gone now to the doctor, and they say that I have brain tumors. Now they're in the throes of oncology and all of the stuff that goes along with what she's being diagnosed with. And here she is. She's one year younger than me, 47 years old, got children, still young. We're praying. I'm believing for a miracle. We're praying and believing and stretching ourselves for a miracle in that circumstance. But this is the thing, this is the thing that I've noticed. And 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 because I understand the background, I know what they did for me more than 30 years ago. When I was just a teenager kid that had absolutely nothing. And they loved me and they fed me and they clothed me and they protected me, and they vacationed me to get me away. And Tina, rolling on her Facebook page, day after day, when, you know, took some days off, the times that she, you know, just can't do it because of what she's going through, but Day after day, these were the post. Today, I am thankful for my husband. He's been such a strong support in my life. And he's been such a good man. All of these years we've been married. Today, I am thankful for my husband. The next day, today, I am thankful for my son growing up to be such a great man. And every day that she feels able to do that, she's not coming on saying, oh, I can't believe I've been diagnosed with this. Day after day, her posts have been, today I am thankful for a God who understands. She posted the other day, she said, update, I know I've been off a few days, been, been really battling it, but, but an update for me, this is what they're saying, these are the doctors we've chosen, but I want you to know that no matter what transpires, today I am thankful. I am thankful. Let 
I didn't tell you that to bum you out. I told you that here is, here is what the Word of God would cry to us, that if we can be thankful in all circumstances, if we can look past the clouds of the moment and we can see that over here there may be something that I should be thankful for, if I can focus on that which I am thankful for, I can restore faith in those areas that I don't know the answer. I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand this moment in my life. But I will tell you this, that I am thankful. And when I have a heart of thanksgiving, it helps me to keep my focus on the blessings that are in my life so that I can sustain my faith through the dark times. Does that make sense? Matter of fact, Philippians 4, 6. Look at this. Do not be anxious. Philippians 4, 6. Where are you? There it is. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why in the world would, why in the world would you throw with thanksgiving? Because if you can be thankful, your faith can be regenerated. So you're asking God for some stuff. In every situation, you got prayer and petition going on because you got some stuff going on. But if you will mingle that prayer and petition with thanksgiving, when you present your request to God, you will present your request with a heart of faith. And it's the blessing circle. We've talked about it, and I'm closing. The blessing circle helps us keep thanksgiving. And without thanksgiving, we tend to be anxious because of where our focus is. Look, if your focus is on the problem, you're going to be anxious. But if your focus is on the God who can solve the problem, or perhaps even the answers that have already come, then your focus can be of faith. Sharing and thanksgiving complete that divine flow of blessing that makes the blessed life what it is. Look at 2 Corinthians 9. There's five verses. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. It's a heart matter. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So here comes the blessing. God's got the blessing. And God is able to take of his blessing and bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That there is an outflow from you, that the blessing of God comes from God to you, through you, into someone else. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Oh, I've been blessed. Look at this, I'm scattering my blessing. Scattering my blessing. Scattering my blessing. Because I've learned that the blessed life is a life that is sharing and thanksgiving. And I'm scattering my blessing to the poor. And we follow on. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Do you see that? That completes the circle. You're blessed. The blessing goes to you. It goes through you. It goes to them. And it goes through them back to thanksgiving to God. 
And a thankful heart creates a thankful heart that is a thankful heart because we serve a God who has a thankful heart. And I preach to us today that we need to grab a hold of this understanding that, that Thanksgiving is not a holiday. Thanksgiving is a, is a life attitude. And that life attitude pours from a heart that wants to share. And it pours from a heart that wants to recognize the blessings that are already there. And as I pray for my friend Tina, I will tell you that she's leaving a legacy for some people. That no matter what her circumstance turns out to be, she's leaving a legacy for her children to say, you know what, when you face stuff like this, you got to focus on the blessing. Because if you will focus on the blessing, your faith, your faith will remain intact. Would you stand with me? I don't want you to run off. Just a few moments, I'm going to invite our prayer partners to come forward. But first, before I do that... Um, you're here today and and you say you know what pastor I just need a fresh start in my walk or maybe a new start maybe a beginning start I just want to know I'm saved as every head is bowed for the moment if you would just slip a hand and say you know what pastor that's me in my life I just I just want a fresh start today would you just I'm not going to embarrass you thank you so much I'm not going to call you forward thank you so much you can put your hands down out of respect for those that raised their hand and there were several Can we all pray this prayer together so that they would not be singled out or feel ashamed? Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now that Jesus Christ came into this world, died for me, and was raised by God on the third day. I thank you that I have the opportunity to confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And I ask by your presence, by your power, that you would give me a fresh start. Let today be the day of salvation in my life, in my circumstance. I believe it, I decree it, and I accept it right now in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen to that. Yeah, let's clap our hands. Thank you, Jesus. Now what I want to do is I want to bring our prayer partners forward.